Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we're doing another serial killer for this season. One that's been caught recently. Yeah. Uh, as of 2020, uh, the Golden State Killer was caught. Uh, he has multiple names. He has a lot of, lot of nicknames. Most serial killers have the one name. Yeah, he, it's he like multiple. Yeah, I, I did notice that they, they do tend to throw a lot of names around. Uh, like they did that with Richard Ramirez, they had a different a bunch of different names before they settled on Night Stalker uh, for him as the most popular. Yeah, like the Screen Door Killer. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was weird. They uh, have they have a lot of of names before they stick. But we should we're gonna either call him Golden State Killer or Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. or Joe Jr. Yeah. Uh, but let's uh, I'll tell you some of his names. Uh, he's known as the East Area Rapist, the Vesalia Ransacker, the Night Stalker, the original mm-hmm. Night Stalker, and uh, the Golden State Killer is the most famous one. It's one that's stuck to him the most, yeah. uh, especially after Richard Ramirez came out as the Night Stalker. So he was born November 8th, 1945. He's murdered 13 people, uh, raped 51, and burglarized 120. Wow. So a very very long rap sheet. Yeah. So that means there's there's some cases where he would just burglarize the house and not kill or rape anybody. Yeah. Like that's, that's probably that's I think that's probably how he started out. He started, he started out burglars probably yeah. and then yep. kind of progressed up from there. Yeah, I guess yep. that, that's how they work, huh? Uh so when Joseph Jr was born in Bath, New York, his father Joseph James D'Angelo was a sergeant in the US Army. Joe Jr was t- had two sisters and a younger brother. When the D'Angelo family was stationed in West Germany, a relative reported that Joe Jr. witnessed the rape of his seven-year-old sister by two airmen in the in a warehouse. God damn. Joe Jr. was a young child at the time, so that's some... Kind of traumatizing. Dexter-level yeah. crap right yeah, there, if, if you guys are familiar with uh, the show Jack Dexter. And that, that goes, that's another thing, though, that... That that goes with that. That well, he. I don't know. Dexter if, was like what a baby. Yeah. Well, I don't know if because I'm I'm not an expert when it comes to serial killers or anything like that or any kind of psychology. But um, when when you're dealing with serial killers, right? Mm-hmm. Is it that they're born that way, or that an event in their past makes them that way, or is it both? That's the million dollar question. Okay, so they still don't hundred percent know yet whether yeah. or not it's trauma or past events yes because there's some serial killers that, that have, have a completely normal childhood know of though no it's 100 percent normal they, they, like yeah like, they okay. go back and interview and all that stuff okay. like they're very thorough with that because ted bundy claimed a lot that his childhood was better than it was well he found out like his grandpa was like yeah his yeah dad or yeah something. it was well, ancestral not, it was not just that but uh it's like he, he yeah he liked lied. to be liked yeah and didn't view having a family with issues as I guess somebody that could fit that mold that he was looking for, but yeah, no. It, with Ted Bundy, most of the stuff he said was a lie. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a very full of himself. Uh, one of his sisters also claimed that Joe Jr. was abused by his father while growing up. Mm-hmm. So sexual abuse or be- beating. Uh, also, he was accused of committing burglaries and tortured and killed animals. 
which are other signs, yeah. Yes, the torture, that's, killing. Uh, torturing and killing animals is one of the uh, big red flags. Yeah, unholy trinity is what they call it, um, or the triad. Uh, Bro joined the U.S. Navy in September 1964, so, so he served he, in the war. Yeah, served during the Vietnam War. He served for 22 months as a damage controlman on USS Canberra, a destroyer. Uh, and a destroyer on the USS Piedmont. So he did have... So not only did he have that disturbing thing, he went to the war and stuff. I don't know if he's actually... Saw he actually saw in combat. I don't think he did. Probably but, uh, not, but still, I mean, even the even the ones that don't see combat, you know, that's still... Yeah, the basic training. Some people just can't handle the basic training, yeah. but... uh. I don't. I don't think that had anything to do with his Why murders. He turned out yeah. the way he did. No, yeah. not at all. You don't think his time in the army had anything to do? No. With that? Uh, once he was out, he gradu- I, graduated with honors. I, I I wondered about that too. Sorry, I know I'm going to have quite a few questions throughout the this this one because this this is all stuff that that I'm intrigued by. What basically with with positions of power, mm-hmm. right? With serial killers, yeah, uh, Gacy and having to be, you know, the part of the Democratic Party and then part of, you know, you know, being and knowing all of the people in the know, you know, yeah, shaking hands with the people in power, stuff like that. They get a trip out of that too. But do they serial killers? Do they seek out those positions also because they can use that to help them? In the long run, like with uh, Bundy acting like he impersonating a police officer, Gacy, you know, using the light on his car. Uh, yeah, the State Killer, wasn't he a cop? Huh? The Golden yeah, State Killer. Uh, yeah, he became, wasn't he a cop? Yeah, he became a police officer. Right. Um, he basically, with serial killers, it's 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 kind of like a coin. Like on one side, it's they like to have that power. They like to have that authority over you. Uh-huh. And it's like, it's like, it's not all of them, but... Like most of them just like have that power, that control. Yeah. Uh, you have to listen to them and right. stuff. And it's also about trust. Uh, most people, I don't know, but back then, maybe not now, but back then, like most people trusted police officers. Yeah. And, and people of uniform and people yeah, like true. doctors and, and all that stuff. That. Well, another thing. So they kind of like used it. Yeah. Well, that and the fact that if you're, especially if you're a police officer, you're going to know a lot of the procedures and, and the things that they look out for. Yeah. Which uh, is probably one of the reasons stuff why. Like that. He was not caught for as long as he Probably, was. yeah. But there have been other, you know, uh, police officer killers before, haven't there? Yeah. That haven't been as successful with getting no. away with it. Uh, well, he graduated with honors after he got out of the military, and he studied police science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in uh, California at Sierra College. Uh see so he that was that's really going to help him in the future that police science stuff yeah for sure uh he took postgraduate classes where he got uh his bachelor's degree in criminal justice he did further police training then completed a 32-week police internship right uh he became a police officer in the burglar unit in exeter having relocated from citrus heights from May 1973 to August 1976. Hmm. Then he was working in Auburn from August 1976 to July 1979. 
Uh, he was arrested when he stole a uh, a burglar unit police officer uh, car. He stole a car? Yeah, he stole a car, a hammer, and a dog repellent. For what? I don't know. <laughs> he was sentenced to six months probation and was thinking fired. But why steal a police car if you're going to do that? Yeah, if someone's all right. So you think you see someone breaking into a house, right? And then you say that they just came from a police officer's car. Yeah. Are you gonna call the cops? No, no the police are already there. Yeah. So smart. Yeah, but at the same time, you know that's kind of. Well, I mean, he was caught. So he I got was gonna six say, months it's not probation, like stealing somebody and he was fired. Car and stole yeah. a police car. They're gonna find it. <laughs> uh. During the firing process, he threatened to kill the chief of police wow. and stalked his house. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he met Bonnie Jean Caldwell in May of 1970. They were engaged. He started showing his true colors then, uh-huh. becoming manipulative and abusive. He demanded that poor Bonnie help him cheat on her and on a abnormal psychology test. What? Yeah. So he was making her help him cheat on her? On that and other things, yeah. On on the psychology test and everything. Oh, for like the police? Yeah. That's messed up. So he knew he was not going to pass the... T- that's yeah. interesting. She decided to end it, and he threatened her with a gun, mm. trying to force her to marry him. Uh, he moved on pretty fast, marrying Shannon, Sharon Huddle in 1973. They got a house in Citrus Heights in 1980. Hmm. Uh, and it's the house he was there when he was arrested. So Recently? from 1980 to 2020. He lived in that house? He lived in that house, yeah. Damn. Joe Jr. had three daughters with Sharon who became a divorce attorney. I wonder how his daughters feel. Uh, most families are ashamed. Yeah, I'm sh- and, well, yeah, and, obviously. Uh, but. Immoralized. Uh, they separated in 1991. Uh, she also officially divorced him a couple months after his arrest. I wonder if he was showing the same abuse to her that he was to his first wife. Probably. It depends. Uh, a lot of a lot of serial killers who are married actually show really... Uh, they show devotion to their family, and they also like shower them with good stuff when they're killing. Like it's after a kill, they they'll buy their yeah. daughter a pony or so, or a, a bike or something. They'll just buy something out because they're happy, they're elated. Yeah. But when they've been going to where they haven't had a kill in a while, then you know, then stuff starts getting rough. Yeah. Uh, the four, first recorded ransacking occurred in March 19th, 1974. He was, this is when he was a burglar unit officer. Mm. He stole $50 <laughs> from a piggy bank. Uh, so basically this is when he was the Vesalia ransacker from 1974 to 1976. Uh-huh. His common MO was climbing fences, moving through established routes like parks and ditches and etc. Right. Attempting to pry open multiple points of entries, mostly windows, leaving multiple escape routes open, especially windows, moving 
removed screens onto beds or into bedrooms, placing warning items such as dishes against doors or even door handles, and so wearing gloves. Yeah. So the, he made like the screen thing was smart because uh, having the screen on the inside, you know, go pass by on the outside, you see a screen laying on the outside of a window, you're gonna be like, okay, yeah, somebody's breaking in. But with the screen inside, you don't see that telltale sign on the ground there. You know, it's a little bit more time for him to, I guess, do what he needs to do. Uh, he was attempting to kidnap Claude Selling, a journalist at the College of uh, Sequoia's uh, professor, professor's daughter. Schelling had previously chased a prowler away from his daughter's bedroom. Uh, basically, he was... He was, I don't know, he was trying to kidnap the daughter and yeah. Shelling chased him away. Yeah. Uh, on February 5th, 1975. On September 11th, Shelling was, Snelling, sorry, Snelling was awakened by strange noises around 2 a.m. So he came back. Yep. He came through an open back door and caught the asshole trying to take his daughter what? in his <laughs> carport. <laughs> what? Okay, so he's trying to get through the window the first time. Yeah. He was trying to get through the window, and then he he's came like, through the back door. And he's like, yo, what are you doing? Get out of my house. Didn't call the police, right? Just like, oh, he won't come back. <laughs> then he comes back the same night through the back door, which we, the dude, left unlocked after this incident. Oh, that kills yep. me. And then he grabbed his daughter and took, him, took her through the carport. Oh. Uh, she had been subdued, and he was threatening to physically harm her. Uh, Joe Jr. then shot Shelling Snelling two times. He stumbled back into the house to his wife and later died. Shelling's daughter, a 16-year-old child, had to undergo hypnosis uh, to gather further details. Because she was traumatized and couldn't recount? or Yeah, it's like you put it out of your mind. You don't yeah, think about so it. She couldn't, she so couldn't they did identify like, him. Yeah, they did like a old... like yeah. It's like a I, I, I get trick. it. It's just... It's, Crazy that he managed to, because she could have identified him, you know. Well, that kind of like spurred on more crimes. He's gotten past the burglary now. Uh-huh. He liked having the the control over people. Yeah, not so, only that, but he got away with it. This is when the rapings started, uh, of course. Uh, known as the East Area Rapist at the time, nineteen seventy six to nineteen seventy nine. Joe Jr. moved into the Sacramento area as his uh, as his crimes escalated from burglary to rape. Uh, not surprising after what happened with Shelling's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- most victims seen or heard a prowler on their property before the attacks. This is kind of like his MO. Yeah. Uh, police were like, uh, you know, this guy's doing extensive recon recon and uh selecting a home to attack yeah so uh, they, so they can hear this intruder they they can hear him coming or, or what stalking previously before he comes into the house yeah he's like he's basically like checking out he's right. doing ex, ex, like serious re- reconnaissance right and then later they're like oh well come to think of it i did hear sounds outside you know Leading up to that. Yeah. Uh, Joe Jr. would uh, break into homes to unload guns, unlock windows, and plant ligatures uh, 
He also telephoned his future victims sometimes months in advance just to learn of the routines. Wow. Joe Jr. originally targeted women alone or with children because the media did what media always does, making things worse. Media mm-hmm. reported that he only attacked lone women. Great. Responding to this, Joe Jr. Ch- changed his M.O. Yep. He began to attack couples. R- Ramirez did that with uh, the damn uh, shoes. Yep. His usual method was to break in through a window or a sliding glass door and awaken the victims. Uh, most of the time, he would like stand in the doorway mm-hmm. while they were sleeping and run a knife up and down the door jam to wake Ugh. them up. It's like something out of one of those horror movies. Yeah. Like, this is a real-life boogeyman. Yeah. That's sure. we're getting into. And we haven't even got to the murders yet. Yeah. Uh, he would threaten them with a handgun and then tie them up with a... You know, blindfolded gold, like uh, ligatures or yeah, just like zip ties and all or that crap. Whatever's laying around. Yeah. Uh, he usually had the female tie up her male companion. Then he would separate the couple, often, often stacking dishes on the man's back and threatening to kill everyone if he in the house. Break. Yep. Yep. He'd take the women into the living room and rape them. God. Off, often repeatedly. He would take breaks and have sandwiches. That's ridiculous. And come back and do it again. Uh, he spent hours ransacking the house, eating food, drinking beer. He also liked to make it seem like he felt only to, he left only to scare them and then rape the lady more. Oh my God. So they, he would make them. So think yeah, he, he would was think gone. he was leaving and then he would come back and God. rape the girl again. So not only is he causing physical torture to these people, but he's got yeah, mental he loves torture it. He, too. Yeah, he loves it. It's the, the, He's a sadist. Yeah. Uh, he stole items, often personal objects, items of little value, and occasionally cash and firearms. Uh, when he did finally leave, he would do also on foot, sometimes on a bicycle, usually through parks, schoolyards, creek beds, and any other open spaces to avoid the street. Is this to also avoid like a car being able to get yep. traced back to him? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's got an idea for everything, doesn't he? Yep. Uh, his first rape. Friday, June... Uh, Friday, June 18th, 1976, at 4 a.m. in Rancho Cordova. Uh, he, a Sacramento couple, Brian Mangirl, or, I'm sorry, Mangarelli. I'm sorry if that name was, I don't mean any disrespect to this man, but that last name is really hard, uh, was a military uh was in the military at a mother air force base and his wife, Katie were walking their dog in Rancho Cordova area on the night of February 2nd, 1978. Right. They got into a confrontation and fled, but, uh, they were both shot to death. Wow. So he, Tried to probably tried to tie him up or something, do his normal thing, and then they confronted him, fought back or something, ran off and then he shot him. Yeah, uh, they suspected that it was him uh, because they were yeah. close to to the other attacks, and, that's a, uh, and because of the shoelace. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I wonder how many how many 
kills get blamed on serial killers that didn't do them <laughs> and kills that serial killers claim well obviously oh, there's a lot, a lot of serial killers that claim that they killed and they didn't there's a whole most of the times if the murders aren't solved within the first 48 hours they have no idea who did it right they they suspect hardcore who did it right but with serial killers they're dropping bodies so randomly that there's like they know that it's lining up like oh my god that, like cuz after the first couple you start seeing the pattern pattern yeah and then after that it's like okay well we got a pattern he knows how he kills but that's all we got yeah they end up having to usually they have to get either the the killer has to mess up yeah like they have to be on their ass and then they have to mess up yeah. or um they have to get ahead yeah they have to plan two steps ahead of whatever the killer's planning because you know they obviously know they're not going to be able to trace him based on whatever evidence is getting left behind you know they're always gonna be a step behind that way so they gotta think okay well what would the killer do that's probably the how the whole the i think that's how the whole uh profiling system for the fbi got set up in the first place trying to find trying pattern yeah Trying to solve and get the the kills solved or the murder solved faster before the serial killers can kill more people. Yeah, the, the, well, people are like, oh, well, a lot of people think that it, that was created to prevent serial killers. No, 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 you no, can no. never prevent a serial yeah, killer. You can't. Uh, you can catch them quickly to stop them from, to stop them from killing a whole bunch of people, yeah. but like nothing's ever going to stop serial killers. It can also help them look for signs to uh, help, maybe possibly. Help someone who's starting to show symptoms to or signs way. of yeah. yeah, red flags as well. Uh, okay, no, so the you. original Night Stalker years, nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty six. He raped in, uh, he raped in seventy nine and moved to Southern California and began to kill his victims. Uh huh. He struggled. A case of it's, it was it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It's yeah. like oh, I like this, but. How can it be better? Uh, he struck first in Santa Barbara County, a uh, neighbor, or uh, in October 1st, 1979, the couple survived. They alerted neighbors and forced Joe Jr. to flee. The neighbor was an FBI agent. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, his MO, he murders victims by bludgeoning and smothering them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, known as the Night Stalker in that area until Richard Ramirez then got the OG Night Stalker. Then he got the OG Night Stalker. Yeah. So he was known as the Night Stalker until Richard Ramirez. The original and then, Night Stalker. Then he became the original Night Stalker. Boy, I bet you Richard Ramirez would be hot hearing that if he's still alive. Hearing yeah. that he... The, the, oh, the OG Night Stalker, you know, because they're big on... Yeah, they... Well, they're big on... Oh, the well, nicknames, some of them... I don't even know if they like the nicknames. Some of them do. Some of them have, have gone on record to say that they do. Yeah. Um. I think Ramirez liked his. Oh yeah, Night Stalker's a badass um, name. I can't remember. I know there were other people that a BTK named himself. Um, Bound Zodiac Killer, Killer yeah. named himself. Yeah, there's some that will name themselves. Yeah. Um. So you know they, it's it's weird. Uh, the first murder was a 35-year-old Deborah Manning and a 44-year-old Robert Offerman on December 30th, 1979. 
in Robert's condo in Avida Pancrea and Goleta. Robert's bindings were untied and indicating that he had lunged at his attacker. Mm-hmm. Neighbors heard the gunshots. Uh, the police found large, a large dog paw prints at the scene, hmm. and they suspect he brought a dog with him. What? D'Angelo brought a dog with him? They, that's what they suspect. Why? He broke into the adjoining vacant residency and stole a bicycle, which was found abandoned later. Why? What did they do with the dog? <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they. He did. They found the dog. Found dog prints. That doesn't mean they could have had a dog. Well, they probably would have had known. They investigated whether or not they had a dog, but there had to have been a reason why they thought he brought the dog. He I, might I'm have sure they it. thought of the, the 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 owners would have a dog, or maybe it was a random dog they got in there while he was killing him. But um. I think that he probably brought the dog to help intimidate. And yeah. He seems to be getting off on, on the, like I the said, fear. the mental of the fear aspect of everything as well. So maybe you're right. Maybe he brought the dog just to help give that extra now, fear factor. Like, I don't think he would have brought his dog, though, because he's smart enough to not do that. Do anything that links to himself. Yeah, absolutely. Now... Uh, yeah, he's still working. Uh, as of the time of his, this is his first murder. This is this is the first murder, right? As of the time of his first murder, is he still in the burglary department? Uh, no, he was fired in 1975. Oh, th- oh, that's right, because that was when he was caught with the uh, from stealing from the piggy bank. No, 1976. Or, 1976. Sorry, police car. Yeah, pol- uh, he stole a. Police car, hammer, and repellent. Right, and that's what he got fired for. Yeah, and he, he obviously he didn't he get rehired or anything. So that was pretty much the end of his career as a cop, right? Uh, yeah, he got fired in. in yeah, but he'd already thing. had all of that training, mm-hmm. the years of experience as a burglary cop, plus the army before that, or I mean navy before that. So this dude has a lot of of different types of. Uh, you know, experience when it comes to stalking and killing. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had he had a crime before that. He had tried to break in and kill a victim uh, on Monday, October first, nineteen seventy nine, in Queen and Queen Anne Lane, Galita, in Saint Barbara's County. That but, went wrong. Yeah, it was a botched attack. Yeah. So again, this is like the very beginning. He's just trying to feel his, out his. You know, he his mo has changed multiple times just between when it was a burglary and when it was a rape. Yeah. You know, uh, so it probably change again when he starts killing, as he learns. You know, whatever methods that work best for him, I guess. Yeah. And so in 1979, which was the year of the first killings, on October 1st, an intruder broke in and tied up a Galita couple. Alarmed at hearing him say, I'll kill him, to, I'll kill him myself. The man and woman tried to escape when he, he left the room. He would pretend to be crazy. Oh, you just pretend? Yeah. And the I'll woman screamed. Kind of not pretending, but... Yeah. <laughs> Realizing that the alarm had been raised, the intruder fled on a bicycle. Again, the neighbor was the FBI agent. All right. Yeah. Yeah. He responded to the noise and pursued the uh, perpetrator. 
who was, you know, Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. who abandoned the bicycle and a knife and fled on foot throughout local back, backyards. The attack was later linked to Offerman and Manny murders by shoe prints and twine used to bind the victims. Mm-hmm. On December 30th, 19, or 40, 1979, 44-year-old Robert Offerman and his 35-year-old wife, Deborah Alexander Manning, or girlfriend at the time, I don't know, it's, they were living together, were found shot to death at Offerman's condominium mm-hmm. in Avidia Pinkia in Goleta. Offersman's bindings were untied, indicating that he did lunge at the attack, and the neighbors heard the gunshots. That was Paul's his first successful murder. Yes. Paul prints of a large dog were found at the scene, leaning to the speculation that the killer may have brought one with him. The killer had also broken into a vacant adjoining residence, right, stolen a bike. bike. Yep. And then he abandoned it uh, a street north right. of the scene. Uh, so... His next, like, that's, he messed up. This is his first murder. He made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1980, on March 13th, 33-year-old Charlene Smith and 43-year-old Lyman Smith were found murdered in their Ventura home. Charlene Smith had been raped. A log from a wood pile on the side of the house was used to bludgeon the victims to death. Wow. Their wrists and ankles were bound in drapery cord. An unusual Chinese knot, a diamond knot, was used to Charlene's wrists. The same knot was noted in the East Area rapist attacks. At least one confirmed case of which this was publicly known. The murderer was therefore briefly given the name the Diamond Knot Killer. Mm. So another nickname. Yeah. On August 19th, 24-year-old Keith Eli Harrington and 27-year-old Patrice Briscoe Cole Harrington were found bludgeoned to death in their home on Cockshoal Drive and Dana Point's Nicole Shores gated community. A gated community. Yep. He don't care. Yeah. No, well, you think you're you're safe in the gated community. You're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricia Harrington was also raped. Although there was evidence that the Harrington's wrists and ankles were bound, no murder weapon or ligatures were found at the scene. The Harringtons had been married for three months at the time of their deaths. Patrice was a nurse in Irvine, Irvine, and Keith was a medical student at US, or UC Irvine. Keith's brother, Bruce, later spent nearly $2 million supporting the California Proposition 69, authorizing DNA collection from all California felons and certain other criminals. So he was the instrumental in... He was. He spent. He gave yeah, him two million dollars. Uh, instrumental in getting that shit finally caught, because DNA is what did him in. Yep. In the long run, and it wasn't his DNA. It was the his DNA family. of his family yep. member. In 1981, on February 6th, 28-year-old Manuel Whithun was raped and murdered in her Irvine home. Although Whithun's body had signs of being tied before she was bludgeoned. No murder weapon or ligatures were found. Though the victim was married, her husband was away, hospitalized, and she was alone at the time of the attack. Mm-hmm. Whithern's television was found in the backyard, possibly the killer's attempt to make the crime appear to be a botched robbery. Um, yeah, but I don't think he really cares, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think that it's he likes fooling, fooling with the police. Yeah. 
It's an it's another power trip for him. Yeah, because I honestly I can't I can't see from what I've heard so far I can't see him giving two shits whether or not they think you know he's a killer or a robber. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on July 27th, 35-year-old Cherry Domingo and 27-year-old Gregory Sanchez became the original Night Stalker's 10th and 11th murder victims. Mm. Both were attacked in Domingo's residence, Altoltec Way in Galito, or Galito <clears throat> several blocks south of Robert Offiman's cond- condominium, Wow, where she was temporarily living, living. It was owned by a relative and up for sale. The offender entered the house through a small bathroom window. Sanchez had been tied, had not been tied, and was shot and wounded in the cheek before he was bludgeoned to death with a garden tool. Uh. Some believe that Sanchez may have realized he was dealing with the man responsible for Offerman and Manny murders, and tried to tackle the killer rather than be tied up. Again, no neighbors responded to the gunshot. Sanchez's head was covered with clothes pulling, pulled from the closet. Domingo was raped and bludgeoned. Bruises on her wrists and ankles indicate that she had been tied up, uh, although the restraints, restraints were missing. A piece of shipping twine was found near the bed, and fibers from that or the unknown source were scattered all over her body. Yeah. Authorities believed that the attacker may have worked as a painter or in a similar job at the Cali Real Shopping Center. Huh. Did he? Maybe. Maybe. Like, they're just grasping at straws right now. Yeah, they have no idea something. who the hell it is. But it's interesting that he's bringing the ligatures with him. Yeah. And taking them home with him. Yeah, that is interesting. But, again, someone finds that. That's damning evidence. Yeah. So, you you do. It's, you're damned if you do, damned too. if you don't. Yeah. He kept his shit right there, too. Yep. On May 4th, 18-year-old Janelle Lisa Cruz was found after she was raped and bludgeoned to death in her Irvine home. Her family was on vacation in Mexico at the time of the attack. A pipe wrench reportedly missing by Cruz's stepfather was thought to be the murder weapon. Initially, investigators in reciprocative jurisdictions did not think that the Southern California murders were connected. Yeah, they never. the police departments did not talk to each other back then no. at all. It was like the communication was horrible. Absolutely, between it was. jurisdictions. Uh, Sacramento detectives strongly believe that the East Area rapist was responsible for the Galita attacks, but the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office attributed them to a local career criminal who was later murdered. Unaware of the Galita murders, local police and surrounding jurisdictions followed false leads, false leads related to men who were close to the female victims. Mm. One person later cleared was charged with two of the murders. Many years later, the case was linked almost entirely by DNA testing. Wow. So that was the murders, his 13 murders. Like I said, he did multiple, 51 rapes. So, like, I mean, obviously, we're not going to go through 51 rapes. Right. Uh, And 120 burglaries. So, I mean, he was a very busy, busy boy. Uh, 1986 was his last murder. That's when he stopped murdering. Why did he stop murdering? That's That's what I want to know. I want to know what was finally enough for him. Like why we obviously we, we don't really know. I guess they don't have a reason why they kill, but there has to have been a contributing factor 
or or something that influenced his decision to stop killing. Mm. You know, was it because he'd had his fill? Because I know that some serial killers will do that. They'll go through period stretches of time where they don't kill. Yeah, calling off long, periods. Yeah, long periods sometimes, like years and years and years sometimes. So, you know, maybe he was in a cool-down period and then, what, like, just got too old or... I don't I don't get it. I don't get why um, he stopped doing it. Like, So, we're going to get into that for the part some, two. Some of them, you know, obviously it's because they got caught or yeah. they would have continued killing. Yeah. And there are still killers out there, I'm sure, that have not been caught that will continue to go on killing. Where... With the Golden State Killer, he's old now. I mean, he's old. They yeah. just caught him twenty twenty. He maybe has five, ten more years in, in prison before he dies, if that. But he still stopped killing in eighty eighty six, according to you know. I, I mean, he may have may not have been killed. Yeah. Be lying, but uh, no victims matching his mo. Right, exactly. Have surfaced since nineteen eighty six. Doesn't mean they don't exist. He could have. Change it. He changes him out once he before. Did, he change it again. If he did stop killing in eighty four, six, six. Sorry, why? Well, we're gonna get into that next episode. Cool. We'll get into that. The investigation. Uh, we're gonna talk about the investigation. We're gonna talk about how he was caught, and we're also gonna talk about how he tortured his victims before and after. Mm. I guess so, it wasn't enough while they were, you know, yeah, alive. And uh, like, mostly, I'm talking about the rape victims. Yeah. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. That's this has been part one of the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. Part two is going to be really interesting. We're going to talk about why he stopped killing. Yeah, I'm really know, curious about it, that. Uh, his the catching of him, the investigation. How close were police at the time? Yeah, we're gonna talk about that and docu- that's why I like about those, and where they messed up. Yeah, that's why I like about those documentaries, the true crime documentaries. Uh, in some cases, is because you see just how close they came to getting caught so many times, mm-hmm. and sometimes it was just a simple mistake, yep. you know, that that cost everything. Yeah, know? like freaking the. I keep going back to the Bundy case because I just I just watched that recently. Uh, and the fact that he had escaped not once, but twice. And then the second time, because of his escape, he went on to Florida and committed all the the murders that he committed in Florida. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about him next season. He's one of the serial killers, uh, Bundy and Dahmer is the next season's serial killers. Dahmer creeps me out the way that other serial killers don't. It's weird. Like Gacy and Gacy and Dahmer for me are, are two that just, I think it's because he's they a cannibal. A, a lot of people a, just think. I don't know. They, they, they all are atrocious and, yeah. and commit freaking just heinous, heinous crimes. But those two in particular, for some reason, for me, just. They're they're they probably the two be, biggest. Everybody knows who they are. Not, I mean, I Bundy, know. Gacy, and Dahmer are the three yeah. bigs. But Bundy, uh, maybe that's part of his charisma, though. Yeah, well, a lot of people didn't think he was I did not the killer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't. I obviously uh, he, he was, was the killer. killer. <laughs> I 100% think he was the killer. No, that's not my problem. It's just that he doesn't instill the same kind of fear guess, response. Fear response that no, you, 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 he brings you in. Uh, Dahmer just looks at you like 
you're already you're dead. A piece of meat. <laughs> yeah, you're a piece Basically. of meat. Basically. <laughs> and Gacy, I mean, he just well, you don't like him because he's a clown. He well, dresses up as a clown. That's part of it, but not that's not even the serial killer part of him. Yeah. No, it's it's with Gacy. It was like uh, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's it's weird. Well, you you do know that with the Golden State Killer, Patton Oswalt's wife dedicated her life to finding this killer, the Golden State no, Killer. No, I did not know that. Yeah, she researched and dedicated her life. And wrote a book. And when the book was... I think the book... No, she wasn't even done with the book and she passed away. Oh, no. Yeah, so Patton Oswalt finished the book for her and published it. And I they did not caught, know that. And then they finally caught they him. They finally caught him. Oh, that's awesome, though, that they yeah. caught him. Yeah. Oh, man. I bet that was really cool for Patton Oswalt, though, to be able to get that. Yeah. His wife obviously didn't get to get to see it. her life's work. I'm sure he'd prefer her... To well, have seen absolutely, it. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But you know, at the same time, you know, at least he gets to see all of her hard work of her paying hard work off. Pay off. She did. She did a remarkable uh, job. Yeah, I did not know that. It's really cool. And it's one of the best, one of the better true crime books that that's been written. Yeah, is hers. I want to so, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Go ahead and check out those links. Uh, next week, we're announcing the winner of our yearly giveaway. Uh, so we'll be picking a follower of Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube subscriber and stuff. So uh, if you're not a follower, go ahead and follow us. So yep, like and subscribe. Yep, and follow that link to all this goodness that we have. And we'll see you next week for Golden State Killer Part Two.